You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom, this is Raubag versus Rabbi Yoyna. And on the heels of last week's discussion about Basar Vacholov, um, I think there's a uh, an angle that we can pursue that will shed light on a, a very firm stance that Raubag takes. And I'm going to speculate that Rabbeinu Yonah's Talmidim, the Rashba, as one of the prime students, maybe even as we saw from a literary perspective, Rabbeinu Bachia, who sees Rabbeinu Yonah as one of the greats, a Kodesh and a great teacher for him, although he didn't study by him. So I'm going to try to posit these against each other. Let's start with... Um, a little bit from the that Eben Ezra that I only read the very first part last week. Um, the Eben Ezra really was battling the Karaites. Uh, the Karaites, as we know, uh, looked at this Pasuk and felt that there, why would God tether these two things together? Why would he insert these, put these two psukim, these two ideas together? Bikurim and cooking uh, a kid in its mother's milk. It must be. We know what a Bikurim is. It can only be something from the ground. And therefore, the, we had the first interpretation of the Karaites, which we said was well known enough to Rabbeinu Yonah and others that they use it uh, in some way. That's what we mentioned last week. There's another interpretation the Karaites had that it's not that Gedi Bechalevi Mo means a tree, that the mother is the tree and the fruit is staying there longer than necessary. Or, or you're doing something to, um, to change the nature of fruit. There's another Karite interpretation, which I didn't share with you last week, which I'm going to share with you today. Lo sevasho gedi really means an actual goat, like a goat or, or meat animal. But it doesn't mean cooking it. Yesh acher sh'omar. You can see here in the Ibn Ezra. Lo tevashel means kemel lo sa'acher. Meaning bishul is another way of saying, just like it meant in the first Karite interpretation, it's in a way becoming too ripe on the tree. Here it means it's getting too old. It's not a, a fruit. It's an actual being. It's a, it's a living animal that is doing what? It's staying too long. It's being raised too long by its mother's milk. Lo tzivashok means lo ta'acher sheyamodim imo yosrim mishivayomim. Meaning that let's say if you have an animal that you want to give as a carbon, you shouldn't keep it around. You should actually bring it as a carbon as soon as possible. Or let's say it's a bachar that needs to be a carbon. Don't let that kid grow with its mother's milk and be nursed by its mother and become a, a, an older calf. As a young, succulent young calf, it should go to the Mizbeach. 
That was another Karite interpretation. And he, as you can see in the Yehuda Krinsky, in his masterpiece of commentary on Eben Ezra says that he found this in one of the Karite books. He says it's, it's in the Sefer Mivchar Mishpatim and Eshkol HaKofer. Both of these are Karite works um, from the Middle Ages and a little bit uh, from the high and midpoint Middle Ages. And they are a wonderful place to find the Karite interpretations that our Rishonim uh, battled against. So what does it mean, Lotavacho? It means don't let it stay with the mom too long. VMK, so the Ebenezer's question is, Ma Tam Lahasker HaMitzvah? We already have that mitzvah where it says you should you should bring, as you can see, it says Biomashmini Titnuli. In 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 Shemos Chavbeis it says Meleis Chavadimoscha Losacher. When you have korbanos or fruits that need to be come to the mizbeach or whatever it is, you shouldn't lollygag with them. So that would be basically this idea again. What do you need to psukim for? And then he says, Va'od, what's their proof? Because it says, Bishel Katsir, that the, the harvest is ripe. One second. I agree that it doesn't mean that it, the harvest was Mavushal in water. But at least there was some heat from some source. It was the sun. At least the sun was doing it. You can't do it, but the sun was doing it. But allowing the, the, the animal to nurse from its mother and get bigger, that's not called the animal is now mavushal. Okay, so that's that because he, now, then he gets into, I mentioned this last week as Machlokas with Rashi about whether a gadi is only goats or can it even, the word gadi even apply to, to, to uh, bison and bulls. Okay, but here's the part I want to skip over his his argument with Rashi, but then he says that even though Chachamim Kiblu, not like the Karaites, of course, Shulayochal Yisrael Basar Becholov. Now, Vaata Farish. Now, first of all, there's a problem. Why did the Torah only write that Ezra says a Gedi? If it's about Basar Becholov, it's not these wild Karite interpretations. Why did the Torah decide to write about a goat's kid? He disagreed with Rashi, and he said it definitely is referring to a small goat. Why would the Torah write that? If, it, if it's trying to tell you that all milk and meat shouldn't be cooked together, no cheeseburgers. So why does it say, why does it use that metaphor? So it says, da, ki minagat Torah ledaber the Torah, when it wants to make something usher, doesn't always use the most technically correct language. It tries to speak to an audience from where that audience is living. For example, there is a bird that is a trafe bird. It's called the bat yana. Maybe it's, right? Now, yana is usually interpreted as an ostrich. That's one of the non- Kosher birds is the batyane. Why is it called a batyane? Right? It's like a young ostrich. Why that? Why is it 
right? Because it, it, it's weird that the child should mean all ostriches. He says, we have the opposite. Sometimes you can refer to that bird as its adult form, and it, under, it includes the child, because the child becomes the adult. But when you want to say ostriches or ostrich, why do you mention the young ostrich? So the reason is, now, how the Ebenezer knew this, it just attests to his, his very fertile um, curiosity. Because a, a grown ostrich has real dry, tough meat. And people, is, even though there's ostriches running around, people don't eat them. Because it's just tough. It doesn't have that gishmak of, of, of a good, luscious meat after you slaughter it and eat it. The only one that's eaten is the juvenile ostrich. Why? Because first of all, it's in a cave. First of all, it's a female. And it's smaller. So it has a little bit of that type of lecha that you'd want to make a good meal. The lokein azokharakotan. So what are we saying is, of course, all ostriches are usr. But when the Torah wanted to make it usr, the Torah knew what type of ostrich people would eat. And therefore, they talked about the young female one. V'kocha. Ain't odom ochel basr b'cholov. Regular, like regular steer meat, nobody cooks it with milk. Why? Because it's not going to taste good. Why? Because you have a steer and you have a piece of meat from a, from a two or three-year-old animal. It's going to take a long time to cook that steer meat, to cook that steak. But the milk won't last that long, right? The milk will, will dry up. Here again, Debenezra looks around by the Arabs and he sees they don't keep Basar Bechavav, but he never sees them eating an actual grown sheep uh, marinated in milk. He never sees that because, it, because it's not it doesn't work. It, it will not produce a real cooked item because it, the milk evaporates and cooks out much quicker. People don't eat it. But the meat of the gdi, it has a little bit of 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 of, of leicha in it, just enough. The keshu katan hucham alkain. It works when you cook this baby. It works. This tastes real good. A goat in in milk, that's a great dish. Now faltatama. Now you're going to say, hmm, I've never heard about that, because you know what, bavur shavonogu anchi elam akomus lechol gdiizim. You know what? Um, you don't know that people eat it. Because the truth is, where I'm living now in Spain, 
people don't eat it, but they don't know that what their medicine. It's the very best meat you can have is, is tender young goat meat. And they will allow uh, ill people to eat it. Um, and, and, and even though they generally don't eat goats, but if someone is ill, the non-Jewish doctors say, oh, that's a good food to eat. So I'm not sure what Ebenezer was when he wrote this, <laughs> but he said, if you know Ebenezer traveled around and he said, people are eating goat, little young goat meat all the time and in Pras and in Bovel. And if you look in the Torah, the Torah says by, Yach, by Yitzchok, that's what Yitzchok wanted to eat. To give the bracha was, was young goats, Shnei Gedi Izim. And the Torah writes by Shimshon, I believe, in Nasof and Echa Izim. And the Kohen eats Gedi Izim. The Kohen uh, uh, eats Gedi Izim. In fact, the first thing that's mentioned by the Chattas, the Torah's Parshas Vayikra, has two types of Chattos, Izim and Kvasim. It mentions Izim first because that's a better food for the Kohen to eat. Echad Lachatas. Now, so that's, okay. so at this point, Ebenezer is saying that the reason why it says Gedi is because this was the derech, to eat a Gedi. Not other foods in milk would not make sense. You would not eat it that way because it would boil out. Now, why, now Ebenezer has a second question. If it's about eating, why are we talking about cooking? Now, I mentioned last week in the Raubag, the Raubag is beautiful about cooking because cooking is the metaphor to how you're killing yourself by misusing your intellect and you're mi- misusing the science to go against God. That's why it's, it's like you're killing the baby with what should be giving it life. But the Ebenezer is not in that philosophical aspect yet. He just says that um, why does it say Bishel? Why does it say Bishel? It should say Lo Yochal, Basar Becholov. Targum Unkalis in all three places says Lo Seichlu. It says Lo Savashel. Unkalis changes it in each place to eating. So the Ebenezer says, again, it doesn't need to say don't eat it. Because obviously nobody's going to eat this meat raw. So the Isser is bishal, but it obviously, it's zeroing in on eating. Okay. Then he says, Unlike Raubag, who came up with reasons based on the Rambam, as we saw, and his own reason, he says, we really do not need to come up with rationale. Why? The Nevonim, and that seems to be the Chachomim, we call Chazal, couldn't figure it out. So we don't need to come up with a reason. 
Rav Yehuda Krinsky in his footnote, and you can see it's footnote Kuf Mem Ches. I'm going to scroll down to footnote Kuf Mem Ches. V'chein Amr Azal L'osid Lovo HaKadosh Baruch Hu Megalve Lachem L'Yisrael Mipnei Ma Tzivsa HaTorah Basar Becholov Upara Aduma V'sa'ira Mishtaleach now, normally, Krinsky is very efficient, and he makes sure to tell you where the Chazal is, like up here, Mechilta, the Marachulin. He just says, V'chein Amruzal. I know where Krinsky gets, gets this from. He gets it from the Rabbeinu Bachya, which we'll see in a couple of minutes. But this is really, this quote, Bear it in mind. In the future, God will reveal to the Jews why he commanded in his Torah about Basar B'cholov and Paradum and Sarmishtaleach. So Krinsky feels Eben Ezra knew this Chazal as well. And it shows you that the rabbi said, we're not going to know the reason of Basar B'cholov until a time that's called Asid Lavo. What does that mean? The time of Mashiach? Maybe. But till then, we don't know. And look at the three, look at this threesome. It's Basar B'cholov, Paradum, and Sar Mishtaleach. Right? Sar Mishtaleach is something which is done outside of the Beis Hamikdash. You send this animal, it's totally not like any other carbon. Right? The animal is not slaughtered. The animal is sent on Yom Kippur to go to this place that's completely barren and empty and pushed down a hill. The, the Poraduma is slaughtered and burnt to a crisp on, on a mountain, on Sharazesim. Basar Becholov, as we saw last week in Rabbeinu Yonah. Basar is fine. Cholov is fine. Putting them together. These are three mysterious mitzvos. I don't know if Eben Ezra was aware of it, but I know what, what, why Krinsky is writing it. Because in other words, what do you mean Chazal don't know what Basar B'cholov is? Well, you see, it's something that's beyond. But then Eben Ezra takes a crack out of it. He says, Maybe, maybe, It isn't just, we don't know why milk and meat shouldn't be mixed together. The Torah picked the standard way milk and meat would be picked together. Milk and meat would be boiled and eaten together with a gadid. Then the Ebenezer says, maybe it's not about some sort of chok. Maybe Basar B'cholov is because it creates cruelty. It's cruel, the process you just did. What's cruel about it? Rabbi Kivalevich? Yes. What does that do to you when you actually take the mother's milk and you boil this baby in it? Now, the baby's dead, but you know this is the mother's milk and the baby has already been shechted. The baby is a kosher piece of meat and you know that you're boiling it in its mother's milk. That creates 
that that because what you know, because of your knowledge of these two situations of this situation, you are it, it creates within you a cruelty because whereas this milk should have fed this child, like the Karite said, this should have fed the, the this 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 goat to grow. You are taking that same milk and using it as the means of boiling, and that, of course, is the same thing of slaughtering. Slaughtering a a a, a mother a, a mother or father animal with its child on the same day, and also taking the mother with the small eggs or chicks. All of that is all part of the same acts which create within the human psyche a cruelty. Okay. Now, if that's true, then why is all meat usher? So the Ebenezer says it should only be when it's meat that you know is the child and the milk is the mother. Most people do not have are not farmers. They don't have sheep and goats or cows. And where do they get their milk from? They get their milk from the dairy farmer. The milk comes from many little goats. The milk is really a combination of many. And the man selling it to you doesn't tell you which it is. The only way he's able to give you the amount of milk you need is by mixing milk from various animals. So Ulai Hakona Hagdi Lo Yoda Ana Imo. He doesn't know. Hmm, I don't know where the mother is. In other words, if you have the mother goat, you know the mother goat is in your is is grazing, and you took its baby to slaughter. There's nothing wrong with that. But maybe all you have is the baby goat. You don't know the mother. The mother was from, is, is, you got the baby goat from a farm. And the mother was with the farmer. And it's possible, you now got milk. It could be that you've gotten the mother's milk. So basically, this is a, an example of suffix. In other words, the reason why Chazal say that everything is usher via over, because suffix, Torah v'chumra. Wow. I don't know if you understand what he just did. Basically, he said the reason why Chazal are saying this is because you have to be machmir, because you have to assume that the, since you don't know and it's in the area, you have to assume that this milk is actually the milk of the mother of the young goat that you are trying to uh, boil up in. And therefore, you have to be machmir on all milk because it might be the mother's milk. And then he says, going back to the Arabs, he says, the Ishmael Mermoda. Kim or the Muslims or Moda, that they know that oh, this tastes really good. That if you if you actually have not only a young goat, but you find the mother's milk, 
Ah, that's the best. Because the DNA is so similar, somehow that will taste better than a, a non-mother's milk. And therefore, the Torah wrote it about what would be the most common case. But really, it's about cruelty. But since you don't know, but the Kadmonim, that's the rabbis in Ebenezer's terminology, decided that we have to be machmir on every suffix. Wait a minute, Rabbi, <laughs> Rabbi Kivalevich, that's, it's not really. And you knew it did not come from the mother of this goat. It would seem, it would, it would according to the Ben Ezra, it would not be, it would not be awesome. But since you, you don't. Two cows, if you have two cows and then, and you have a farm, you could probably figure it out. But you know, yeah. So, but you're saying very good. If you know it's cow milk, you shouldn't have a problem either. If, if what you're eating is a gadi. If the animal you're eating is a goat and you know it's cow milk, it shouldn't be a problem, right? Um, no, or chicken. <laughs> chicken is for sure not a problem. But, but, but we're talking about even if the animal... But then he says, you know, and this is why people do not like the Ebenezer. People feel the Ebenezer is... Um, there's some that feel the Ebenezer acts like he is a defender of Hazal, but really undermines them. Because the, the you know the, the other mafarshim say, look, this was this this was a the, the rabbis are telling us everything is osir. This would be the standard way to do it, but the rabbis made everything osir because of this model, because of this template. All meat and all milk is osir. That's the well, way the Ram, that's the way the Ramban explains it. <laughs> the Benezer the, the talks about a suffix, and you have to assume. Right, and, and let me just go one more line with the Eben Ezra. He says, all meat and all milk. God who gave them wisdom, who he should pay them with total scar for what they've done. Now, what does that mean? Right. In other words, they, those rabbis, they gave them a lot of wisdom and God should take care of them and give them a lot of scar for what they're doing. You almost get the sense that Ebenezer does not believe that all milk and meat should be usher, right? <laughs> right, because right, that you definitely get the sense from him. He says the rabbis, all right, it's okay, but you know, they get scar for what they did. <laughs> what do you mean? God will give them their scar. That's the pshat. That's that's the kabbalah. But anyway, um, uh, Rabbi Rabbi yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to prolong this, but I, I just want to. I, Other. Mm-hmm. So pasuk two and pasuk three must be adding to the simple meaning of pasuk one. So yeah. if I only have pasuk one, I think Ebenezer is right. It's the mother, it's mother's milk only with its child and maybe only a goat right but yes. once once i have this pusik written again which i don't need to i don't know why the, the torah wrote it again uh because the torah had a uh a, an intention to expand it to not only eating or not only boiling but also eating and then a third time getting any benefit from it still which 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 Bobby can really stop there and say okay, but maybe it only still applies to a goat and its mother. But you're saying that once I'm already repeating it and expanding, 
I'm also, in a way, expanding it to mean not only this species, or not only this animal, but other, other meat animals and other milk animals. Mm-hmm. That's what you're saying. That, that, that the repetition expands, and uh, it expands it in terms of what else is oser, which is, which is even benefit, but it also means to say not only this specific thing that is mentioned, right? That means all animals. And you feel those two go hand in hand. One could say, if you're doing one thing, you can't do two things. You could say, well, make up your mind. Is the reason for the repetition to to include all animals? Then how do you have the right to say it includes even the issue of getting any benefit, right? Um, So... You're, you, you seem to be, that's what you're conflating. You're saying once it expands, it also expands into this other area as well. Um, okay. I, well, again, the Ibn Ezra, they say all meat is usser, all milk is usser. It's true. And you see busser besoda trefa. Well, it's not only in the soda that you can't eat it. Even if it's ripped and dies in the city, that meat can't be eaten. But that's the way it usually is. Because where do you have wild animals in the field? And then it says that if a person has a, uh, a nocturnal emission, he's stomach. It doesn't have to be a nocturnal. Anytime he has that emission. But that's the Torah rights based on the normal. It also mentions about doing kisay adam. So it says if you're going to trap an animal and slaughter it, you're going to have to cover its blood. Well, how about if you don't trap an animal? How about if it's a domestic animal that happens to be one of the chayot, and then you decide to slaughter it? Do you have to cover its blood? Yes. So here, in his earlier interpretation, he did not say everything's Osir Bob based on Rove. He said, you don't know. Like he, he sort of hedges his bets. He says, you're not sure. Really, you can't eat any of them. But rabbis are right. So <laughs> he, he, goes down the, he goes down the path that could open up this, this, this bottle. Either, Bob, leading us to say that as far as Basar Bacholov goes, you don't care about statistics. You don't care about probability. You just say, look, the, God was so worried about this happening that he made all... Uh, um, milk us, or even the, why? Because you, you never know it's going to be the mother's milk. But he, but, but he hedges his bets and says, the rabbis are right. Now, later in his life, he said, they get great scar for what they're saying. Here he says, they're right. But it really leaves us, if you learn Eben Ezra, you really end up somewhat confused. And you sort of think that maybe we are being we are being railroaded into right we're being railroaded into uh ossering all milk and all meat and it would seem right like that Benazir did such a beautiful job talking about it i i just wanted to say this one thing i i'm and i'm not going to i'm not going to push my argument but this that's exactly the point. I mean, I, I'm reacting just like he said. I mean, I, it, it seems like he's sort of a, 
arbitrarily picking one thing or another. And at the end, it sort of cast uh, doubt on what the rabbis did. That's and, right. And, and, the, and so the Ebenezer is, is dangerous material. Yeah. <laughs> but but, but it's, it's brilliantly dangerous. Because, right? Because, oh, wow, that's true. Yeah. Because it's got science in it. It has medicine. It has a travelogue. He's talking about what he sees, right? Um, that's why people, you know, uh, the Ebenezer was considered dangerous. Yeah. Now, I, I, right? Um, I, I just wanted to say. And it usually happens at night. So we, when we want to talk about this case, we talk about this is the usual example of milk and meat. Mm-hmm. Um, right. <laughs> but, but but it gets hairy when he starts talking about, well, how about if it's not really the mother? And most when he starts talking about milk production and we starts talking about Rove, that's where he gets us into he gets himself in trouble. Mm-hmm. He could have just stopped and said, this is the normal way you eat milk and meat. And everything else is also because this was the way God had of making it also. Right? That, that would have been the simple way. The problem is, is that he's tied in to two things. He's tied into the, to the reason behind the mitzvah, which is the mother's milk, specifically. And this Arab who told him that this is the tastiest way to have milk and meat is to have the mother's milk. Makes the best, makes the best goat soup possible. So those two things were in his brain. And that, that's the best way to have milk and meat, right? And also, that's the way that you really have the, 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 uh, the cruelty aspect. Okay. Rabbeinu Bachia quotes the Rambam that we mentioned last week that the Ralbag uh, pretty much uh, cribs, crib from. Then he says that He says, None of the reasons really seem to be good enough. Maybe the reasons that have been given, and he doesn't quote Ebenezer, but he quotes the Rambam. He also says that it's it, 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 not because the act is cruel, but because this mixture will do something physiologically to you that will make you less sensitive, not able to think as clear, not as, as, as holy. It'll be metamtam, your heart. He says those rationales are all just to get people off your back. This mitzvah is a chok. It's connected to paradum and sar mishtaleach. Remember Krinsky? V'chein darshu razal. This is, now where does this come from? So Rav Shevel says, well, I found something like it in the Mesechtas Gan Eden, which was in Eisenstein's Otzer Medrashim, where it says, L'osid lovo megala kodesh baruch time Torah l'Yisrael. God's going to tell us the future, all these rationales. M'pnei isr Why are two sisters Osir? Why is Basar Bechol of Aser? Why is Klayim Aser? But it doesn't mention Shevel writes. It doesn't mention Paradum and Sarmishtaleach, which is really Bachia's point. Bachia wants us to see 
Basr Bechalov in Chazal's eyes as part and parcel of Sar Mishtaleach and Paraduma. We don't have such a medrash. We do have this idea that's going to be revealed in the future, but okay, which means we don't know the reason now. Now, the Kivin Shekain, Das Chachomim Shamitzvah Zos, Misistria Torah. This mitzvah must be a secret. Kibavadai, La Osid Lovo, Lo Yeshom, Lo Timtamalei, Belovodazara. The Rambam and Raubag quoted this as a possibility. This is what the Ovdavodazara did. So milk and meat dishes were part of an Avodazara mentality. There won't be any Avodazara. And despite whatever we eat, we're not going to become bad people in La'asid Lovo. We're not going to eat food that is somehow going to make us more sensual, more, more cruel. All those bad meatos, they are going to be taken away. Why? The Torah writes in Parshas Nitzavim. What does it write? When it talks about what that future is, I have it here on the board. Right? What's going to happen? We at the end of Golas are going to say this last generation it's too much already. Look what Israel has gone through. So they're going to say, and everyone's going to realize that we sinned and God punishes us. When all those things happen, what happens? We say we're coming back to God. Wherever we are, in all the different far-flung countries all over the world. And God is going to say, God says, I'm coming back with you. Not, not the way it was only in Govas Bovel, that we were in Bovel, but from Shanghai, from Iowa, from the Philippines, right? From the South Pole, from everywhere. Jews are going to come back. God is bringing us back. That's clearly the Messianic period. And when we get there, it's going to be even better. When we get there, it's going to be better than it was than it was the first and second base amikdash. Why will it be better? Umol Adonai Zaracha. You and your children, God is going to perform an apparition. God is going to take that lave that wants all those negative things that got timtum and from all the food that it ate and all the typhus that it saw, and God is going to perform the ultimate apparition. And it's going to, according to Bachia, based on Ramban and others, the Yetzirah is going to go away. And we're going to love God just because it's natural. And then what's going to happen? All the, the enemies of the Jews are going to get all the bad stuff who have been our enemies all these years. So, Bachia, Ramban, I would say perhaps even Rabbeinu Yonah sees in this period a, a blissful end of the struggle with the Sahara. So now Bachia says, if that's what it was, 
then why are we go the mitzvah isn't going to be relevant then? If that's who we are, we're people Bimosa Mashiach without a Yetzahara, then why should we need Vasar Bakalov to stop us from being Ebenezer is cruel? Why should we stop from the mixture creating this medical potion that somehow makes you cruel, according to Bachya? Not the fact that you know it's milk and meat from this from the mother and the child. Or this is going to turn me into an Avodazara guy, like all these other Avodazara people. There is no Avodazara people anymore. So he says it must be a mitzvah This mitzvah has a secret. And the, the secret is based on Kabbalah. Okay, cue the music. Kvar Yodata, Kikoa mitzvah's kulan elohoyis. All mitzvahs are godly. And even though they deal with the most physical thing, they don't mean something really physical. What are these? They're all metaphors to symbolize something in the higher world. That's what even the chukim that we talked about, parah duma, sar Zichron Vidugma Shomalo. There's something up in the higher worlds that they are a pattern to. That's why they're called Chukim, because they're Chokuk Lamala. In some way above, there's some way that they are uh they are chiseled and put into cement, so to speak, above. They're chokuk, they're up there. Vabosravacholov are a dugma. It doesn't mean really true, it's milk and meat here, but milk and meat is symbolic. It refers Lamala to two things that are unique and separate. Now it's true. We know our milk and our meat by themselves are fine. Those spiritual essences that are the nimshal for the mushal. What Basar Bakalov symbolizes is a certain level of holiness. There are worlds of holiness. In the, in the Kabbalah, there is the world of Atsilas, the world of emanation, and there's the world of the of the throne of God, the world of ethereal creation, Yitzira. There's a world of Asiya. There's a world of things that can be finite and measured and touched. There's holiness in each part of those worlds, but they are not the same. In a way, they need to be separate. That's what he's saying. He says that the Isser is really mixing them. The Torah says, keep them away. No cooking them, no benefiting from it once you cook it. 
these types of Kedusha, the Kedusha of the Olam Atzilus, the Kedusha of the Olam Habria, of Yitzir Asiya, they need to see, you need to see that they are separate. They're, they're different. You cannot compare what Kedusha is in our Olam Asiya to the Kedusha of a higher world. Even though on one hand, they are they are miyuchad in themselves. They are dvarim miyuchadim. They are unique, but there is some level of understanding that they are all connected. But you have to sort of be God to know that, because God has these worlds emanate one from the other, and kedusha in one world is not necessarily kedusha in the world below it. Yet there is a unifying aspect that binds them all. As long as we have this Yetzir Hara with us, what do we need to do? We need to declare that I believe they can be one. I can't really make them one. I say it, umiyachadim, vaomrim, kihu shmo echad, Hashem echad shmo echad. The shmo is a different level of kedusha. There's Hashem echad yudke vavke, and there's shmo, the malchus the of asi of this of this physical world. His name, it's all one. So I say it, but it's not true yet. I announce it. And I need to announce it. But I really can't do it. I can't really combine the two. And in fact, I need to actually say, no, no, don't tell me about those two things. That's this world and that's a different world. Two different worlds. Don't tell me about that. This is this, this is that. At this other time, since I know there's a Yetzirah here, I, I need to say, oh, oh, they are Echad, they are Echad, they are but I'm not mixing them, but they really are, but I, I, I don't know how to do that. That's why they say, well, Sidlovo, God will tell you why Buster Mechalov is usher. Why does God need to tell us anything in that time? Even though we need to keep Buster Mechalov right now. And it's, it's the ultimate defining rule of how we eat and how we drink and what we take into our system in this physical world. But this world is not Kedai for people to hear about these two worlds. We can't tell people that this really means two different worlds and there's a world upstairs and there's this lower world. Why? Because right now with our Yetzirah, when we hear about, oh, God exists one way in one world and Kedusha means something else in a different world, I don't get it. What, the rules, there's a multiverse? There's a multiverse of one into the other and the rules in physics and nature and spirituality are different and Kedusha means something else in one thing and the other? 
they're going to think about God. They're going to think, oh, there's really two gods. There's the God of this world and a God above him. And that God and maybe created the second God is really two gods. When the Yitzhahara is gone, now I get it. Now I understand why we needed it before. We don't really need it now, but now I understand what it was about, why you can't mix them. Because they're two different worlds, two different, you know, two different aspects of, of, of God's Kedusha. Visham Yosef Malabahasoga. And now I'm such a level and I can understand. Oh, I see. But obviously it doesn't mean this is two types of God. It's not like God becomes something different. In fact, even though God creates the world with these levels that stem from each other, I get it. He's one, his name is one. And it could happen. And even though the worlds are separate, there's this great unifying force behind it. And that's what God sort of reveals to us, what Basar B'chol is. And the problem, of course, is that the Bahaya just revealed it. He says nobody would know it until the time of Los Lovo, and he just revealed it. Anyway, so he says, In other words, that's what it means, God reveals it. Because he can't reveal it in this world. He reveals it in that other world coming up. All right, get your smelling salts. Because in that world to come, there is no Yisr Basar Bechalov. The Yisr goes away. And now you understand why the angels appear to eat milk and meat. Uh, uh... Rabbi Kivalevich, that's probably the basis of Shabtai Tzvi's uh, uh, that's right. uh, loosening of the Surim, That's right. right? Yes, yes. That's a, that, that, so therefore, uh, that's that their rationale. This is why I wanted to touch on this. This seems to indicate that there'll be this period where we won't need the Isser anymore. We comprehend in our greatness how these two worlds are both there. They all are part of the uniqueness of God. They're in two different places. God is in control of both of them. But we don't need to have an issue of not mixing milk and meat. In fact, maybe when we mix milk and meat, it's because we understand that despite them operating seemingly on two different levels, in one way, it's all God behind it. Not that there's two gods, but there's one God who created this incredible uh, panorama. And therefore, you understand why the angels, who are always on this level, were able to eat butter and, 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 and the tongue of an animal. Let's underline it again, because the people in their bodies will not have this mitzvah when the Yetzirah is gone. Now, is that the time of Mashiach? Is that the time of Tchias HaMesim, which he mentioned up here? Right? He mentioned Tchias HaMesim. Right? Vizman Tchias HaMesim. Is that the same? Lakach Darsha Razal Es Chukosai Tishmoru Ani Hashem Chukosachem Chachat Einu Lecharashus Laharibahem In other words, now it's a chok, and you cannot think about them. Why? 
Because if you think about these super holy mitzvahs, your Yetzirah is going to get you to become, there's two gods, you're a Gnostic. There's two powers. That's what's going to happen. Okay. So, Bachia has said, and I, that's why I'm saying, Bachia took this medrash, which maybe Ebenezer was familiar with, I don't know, and used it to tell us the exact opposite of what it would seem to say, right? God will reveal the reason, but we actually won't have the Isser then. We need the Isser now, so we should not try to move towards there, but we won't need the Isser then. In the future, there won't be an Isser. I just want to end tonight with the Raubags. <laughs> the Raubag has a very strong comment about what happens in the future world. It's all based on the Pusik that we talked about. God will, will operate on our hearts. So let me just read to you Raubag. Rabag says that, what does it mean that God operates on our heart and um, he circumcises our hearts? God will give us some help. And it's true, we come into this period with sort of an orla, with sort of a growth on our heart and our mind, which doesn't allow us to understand God. But it's not that God does an operation on us. It's because there's going to be great miracles in the Messianic time. It's going to be like Etzias Mitzrayim. And therefore, and there will be Trias Amesim too, but as a miracle to show you that God is in charge. And therefore, we're going to serve God because the miracles in a way take away our our, 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 our challenge and it takes away our challenge and we're going to come to love God with all our heart and all our soul. We're going to have pure avoda. We're going to feel and, and, and imagine God in a great way. And that's the level we're going to reach. God's going to help us. Just like the Rabag says, he helped the Jews of Mitzrayim get Eretz Yisrael by sort of like pushing his miracles, which raised them to a certain level. But it was not a level where they, did, they, were, they weren't angelic. It was God helped them achieve their human potential. But it's not like he rips the Yetzirah out of them. What he does is he gives them so he allows them to see those miracles to allow their better natures to assert themselves. And then he says that, as you can see, it's based on that we fulfilled this Torah. Now look what he says, because remember what the words say. God it becomes a period, the messianic times becomes a period of incredible miracle. But then what does it say? You're going to do mitzvos. It isn't just you have changed. According to Bachia and Ramban, Rabbeinu Yonah, you've changed. You become a different type of being. Love, of course I love God, of course. I don't have a Yetzirah anymore. And now I understand things I didn't understand before. 
But the Rabag says, no, it's because you're doing the mitzvos that I commanded today. It's your ability to do today's mitzvos as a sort of a better version of you, but it's still with the Yetzirah. Again, you're going to do everything that's written in this Torah. Again, what does it say? Wishmore haksuva besefer Torah hazeh. You're going to do all the mitzvahs of the Torah. And the Raubag, knowing about this antinomian, and like Dr. Kogan said, Sabbatean almost has become, Raubag writes clearly that what happens, he says, what happens is that will not change. Lo tumar, lo olam. There's not going to be any changes. This Torah that we have cannot change at all. And this is one of the great principles of the Torah, that nothing changes even in the future. And he says it again here. It's true, we have a new bris, but it's not a new testament, it's not a new bris. The fact that we have those miracles means that the amuna is stronger. And it's going to be stronger maybe than it was even than when we left Mitzrayim. Why? Because in Mitzrayim, we were in the worst possible level. However, it is this, we, we don't become different types of beings. And that's what he says, that the whole idea of um, it's going to be about learning. It's going to be about understanding the Torah. And what it means is, is that Uh, uh, no profit changes anything. It's going to be based on our intellectual reasoning and understanding. But the Torah itself does not change. It seems that Raubag is, again, fighting this idea. He has to admit that things are, are beautiful in the time of Mashiach, but every single mitzvah counts. And that's what he says. Because you are keeping the mitzvahs that are written in this book, including Basar V'cholov. And that's what he says. The reason why we get the complete Geula is because of how great the, uh, the Kiyama mitzvahs are. This teaches us there will not be any new Torah then. The Torah does not change that. And as you can see from Rabbeinu Bachia, there is a change. There are certain mitzvahs that go into the wayside, certain lososes. And I think this really is a fundamental debate as to what the mitzvahs are in the Messianic times. And um, thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.